Welcome to a new episode. Hi, everybody. Hope you're doing great. I'm very excited about our guest today. Anthony Trucks is here. He's a former NFL player turned transformational identity shift coach. And you may not understand what that means at the moment, but you will after talking to him. Basically, we have identities that we adopt, and the secret to a new and better life isn't a shift in mindset but it's a shift in identity. So very cool. And so we dive into that, among other things. So you definitely want to enjoy this episode, really motivational and just like the guy, super excited. He also was on American Ninja Warrior, which we didn't really talk about that very much, except to talk about the pinky finger. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? But I hope you all enjoy this episode with Anthony Trucks. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Active Detergent. Isn't it awesome to have a laundry detergent commercial? I feel very 1980s right now. But here, here's the thing. So listen, for real, for real. So you know when you're working out and you start to smell your sports bra <laughs> and like after 10 minutes, it starts smelling like you've never washed it. And here's the thing. We're not that gross. It's just today's active wear has synthetic fabrics that are made from tightly woven technical fibers and it traps in bacteria, oils, and dead skin cells. Totally gross, right? But traditional laundry detergents struggle to clean these technical fibers. So I have found active detergent. It works differently. It's made without the things that are in traditional laundry detergents. There's no dyes, softeners, phosphates, SLS fragrances, 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 or other nasty chemicals. Instead, active is scientifically formulated using an all-natural blend of enzymes to get into those crevices and break down the oils, dirt, and dead skin cells to truly clean your sports bras, your leggings, your bike shorts, etc. So I really love this detergent. I have promised you guys that I will not advertise anything anywhere that I do not love. I love this. <laughs> I heart it very much. It has actually, I had sports bras that were about to go in the trash, and then I use this detergent and they smell like new. I'm serious. So if you don't believe me, try it anyway. No harm, no harm in trying. So go to activedetergent.com. Use my discount code. Yes, that's right. 20% off their website. Use the code swimbikemom altogether. Swimbikemom, 20% off, free shipping to try it for yourself and say goodbye to those stinky sports bras. And now on to our show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a live episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast and Instagram Live. Anthony Trucks is here today. I am so Mm. excited to talk to you, friend. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, too. I'm excited. This is good. That's a cool little setup. We got the the Zoom recording. Nobody knows in the background. (laughs) 
sneaky and then we're here uh we're here chatting on instagram i That's like right it. everywhere everywhere so our mutual friend omar pinto i heard you on his podcast and mm -hmm. i was like oh omar will you introduce us <laughs> yes yeah he and did. so i'm so glad he did you have such a great story and Thank i you. just love everything about what you're doing re revolving around identity shifts and i mean just i was writing notes the whole time i was listening to your interview awesome. so Awesome. I'm really excited to talk with you. So let's yeah. go back to the beginning. Let's give um, listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. You've got okay. quite the background. And um, yeah, just give us your elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, a little bit elevator pitch. Uh, so in the world of what I do, I help people expand who they are so they can reach their full potential in life. There's uh, a lot of ways I do it. But one core way is I work with people's identity, which is interesting because people are like, well, I don't get it. Like, what's, what exactly is that? Uh, and that really essentially is the core driver of who you are when you're not thinking about who you are. It's just the, the person that's kind of flowing. Uh, and when you're able to shift into what I call your ideal identity for your dream, whether it's to have a great marriage or a great body or great business, then you actually have a success because what happens is the people who have those things, like if you were that person, you already have those things. And so that's kind of where my work is, but how I got here is different. I've played the NFL. I've been an American Ninja Warrior. I have uh, a wife and three kids and successful businesses, all this fun stuff that looks amazing on paper. Uh, but like it's the journey to get there, right? That's always the thing nobody sees. And so I grew up in crazy and foster care. I was bounced around and given away by my mom at three years old, dealt with a lot of weird like abuse and torture and starvation as a kid, just some heinous things that just human beings shouldn't do. Uh, but I got through it. Uh, I was put into a family, which is my family now. I'm the only black person in all white family besides my brother-in-law now. And, but I grew up in it and like, we were really poor and didn't have much divorce diversity and had a lot of weird different things that, that just kind of had me feel like I didn't matter. So anybody in life that is here now, that's felt like, man, I just, I don't feel like I matter. And I feel like the things I do aren't worthwhile. Nobody cares. Like that was my upbringing, like literally my entire mm -hmm. life for a lot of years. And then at uh, 14 years old, I got adopted by this family. So I finally knew at 14, this place that I went to bed, like, I'm going to wake up here tomorrow too. Like, uh, and also the place that I woke up, I'm going to go to sleep here tonight. And so it was a different sense of stability. And what it ended up being was me navigating different parts of my identity. Because by 14, I'd been the foster kid, the only black kid in all white family, now the adoptive kid. Uh, just a lot of weird, like at, at school, I was like the only black kid was also bad and always in trouble. So a lot of identities that I was harboring and kind of anchoring, and we all do this throughout life. We unintentionally mm -hmm. program who we are. And that person runs our life up until it breaks usually. And so yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of points. And then at 14, I got adopted, played football for the first time, which was a really interesting dynamic of I get to hit people and I get in trouble. <laughs> but like I should have played football. I probably would have been better off if oh, yeah, it's fun. they would have taken it out in my younger years versus later. It makes it amazing, <laughs> doesn't it? Like it would have been it would have been much more fun, a little more different like, if you get hit people. But the cool thing was it gave me a sense of like I matter. That was a big yeah. thing. Like for the first time in life, like, oh, I matter. Like that's, that's felt good. And so that kind of progressed me into the next stage of life. of Like how do I navigate this stuff? I ended up, my mom got diagnosed with MS. And so I started kind of figuring out that part of the world. And like now I'm, you know, I'm son of a sick mom and it's just like different dynamics kept adding up. Eventually, like I got a chance to play football on scholarship, which is really interesting because I started out by being really bad, but figured it out and got a scholarship to play football. Went to the University of Oregon on scholarship. I got a little helmet back here. If you guys see that, that helmet there. <laughs> and and man, it was cool because I got to kind of figure out like what does the next level of life look like? And statistically, I shouldn't have been there. Like any prison in America, mm. seventy five percent of the inmates are former foster kids. Like, I'm not set up to do very well. It was not supposed to be in the cards for me, but uh, but man, I figured it out and had my son at 
20 years old, my high school sweetheart, met my real dad at 21, so it didn't do everything the smart way and it had some weird things pop up, but navigated it and four years later was blessed to have the opportunity to play in the NFL. Got the NFL. NFL stands for not for long, so I was in. <laughs> Third year in, I tore my left shoulder, playing against the Philadelphia Eagles with the Pittsburgh Steelers and my career was ended, so I ended up going home and life started. And it's crazy mm. as most people are like, oh, former NFL, like life must have been great. No, uh-uh. That's not how it works. Like, Massive crisis. Anytime, yeah. like you said, like a kid to college, I'm sure you've experienced it uh, in different terms of your, your athletic career. But when you've been doing this thing for so long and you no longer can do it, it tears away at the fabric of who you are. Yes. This is why identity was always kind of like this thing I was destined to navigate. Because then I come home and it's like, or I'm not the football player anymore. I'm married. I have two more kids and I'm never present. So then I have like this family that I love, but then it gets torn apart because I'm a a non-present husband. I'm at this gym that I'd started up after football from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. trying to make something of myself again. And it really just became this hindrance on life overall. And next thing I know, I'm this, you know, a little bit out of shape. Business is falling apart. Bad dad, you know, divorce. Just like I was literally after football, about two years later, sleeping in a 500 square foot studio apartment with my kids on an air mattress next to my bed. Like my mm. three kids. It's just like a crazy place to be. Relationships I tried to start weren't working. I just was in a funk. Uh, what ended up happening is I had this moment where, like, I was down and like the down and outs, man. Like prior to this, I'd had like some suicidal moments. To be totally honest, I get to a point where later in life, I'm like, I got past that and I was sort of figure out what to do. And then my mom passes away. I'm in the room holding her hand and she she takes her final breaths and MS takes her life. And I was like, man, I just I don't I don't want to look at my life and look at it later and be like, man, I could have done more. My mom passed at 47. It was this weird thing of realization. Wow. I was 30 at the time. She was a young mom. And the reality was, I, she passed. And 30 years old felt like it happened quickly. I was like, there's a possibility. I'm not even going to be here as long as I've, I've already been here. Like, that scared me. I was like, oh, well, like, I can't keep going through the paces here and not taking advantage of living a, like, a, a better life. And so because her body like wasn't capable of reaching her potential that stole it from her. I was like, I'm going to make sure I do something. And so I just kept pushing again and, and found that I had this unique, weird way of handling the shifts of life. Like I just do. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I handle things in a creepy, weird way with optimism and perspective and logic that seems illogical that, uh, that puts you in positions just to, to tackle things. And so I realized that's a weird superpower of mine. I solve things. I figure things out. <laughs> And so little by little, I started fixing my own life. So I went from being divorced for three years to back remarried to my ex-wife in an amazing marriage. I'm a present father. I have successful businesses. I'm in shape. Like I do the things that were incredibly hard. So that's why I teach in an area that I know. I've broken it. I fixed it. Here's how I fixed it. So now I teach people how to have a shift to that ideal identity for their dream. And it happens in a lot of speaking and coaching and teaching and these kind of things. Right. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you're so right. So I was an Olympic style weightlifter in high school. And then I like just quit. I just quit at 19, walked away, didn't deal with it, but never yeah. really thought, oh man, you know, I lost an identity. I lost who I was. I just started drinking <laughs> and uh, I just started, oh, you, you know, creating other destructive and I ate and I got up to 250 yeah. pounds and it was like, and it never occurred wow. to me until I'm, I'm 40 now. It never occurred to me until like three years ago that like, mm -hmm. oh, I never dealt with that loss because that was who I was. Like I was going to be this yeah. person and then I didn't make mm -hmm. it and crash. Okay, well, I'll go be a lawyer. I don't really want to do that either. Crash. And it was yeah. just all these different 
identities that developed and they were never the right one. So can you talk about like how the shift from wrong identity or, you know, wrong identity to wrong identity sort of built you and showed you the right identity that you wanted? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't even know. Here's the thing. It's, it's, it's not even that's wrong identity, but I think of it kind of like a computer. So we're on these computers right here. And these computers have software. We all, the phones have software. I don't even know where to look right now. I get the computer with the phone. <laughs> Whatever you want. It's your you world. So, We're just living in it. It's fine. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like they have these, these operating software, right? It's, it's so the hardware, the, the you know, hardware the computer runs and this operating software is programs that run on that operating software, right? So we're using Instagram. We're using Zoom. If the operating software couldn't handle the bandwidth, the program would bog down and would crash. And so what happens in, in the computer world is a notification comes up. Hey, update this. Update your heart, your software. Hey, up, update this program. Update, update. And some people go, ah, you got time for that, Ant, and they mm. snooze it. And they snooze yeah. it. And then what happens after a while, well, the programs start bogging down and Zoom won't open up or it crashes or it just sticks and it freezes and it force quit and send an alert to Apple. And it's like, oh, and then eventually you go, I'm just going to open and safe mode. I got to get the meeting done. But you realize it, it, it's like half functionality. And eventually you're like, all right. I'll set this thing up. I'll download the information. I'll upload to the system and I'll just get this thing going. And I got to sit there and watch the clock and, uh, and it's time consuming, <laughs> but I do it. Computer runs smooth. Boom. Programs yeah. work. Bang, bang. Right. Awesome. Life is the exact same way. So it's not that we have these wrong identities, but we have an identity that was programmed years before. Like we're in 2020, brand new hardware with windows 95 identity software. <laughs> I had Windows 95 for I've way been there too, too long. I'm a, uh, yeah. I mean, we all, I'm with you. Actually, I think do. it was the time I was drinking really heavily that I did an update from Windows 95. Like, let's think I did that. that. I used to go to the gym in the morning, come home, finish a six pack of Blue Moon, go back to work and be like, be healthy, everybody. You know, like, right. bad, bad it had fruit times. on it. Didn't it have an orange? It did. It had an orange. <laughs> if you put an orange in it, you know, it's all these things. It's, so it's a snack, but not a garnish. Exactly. And, uh, and likewise, what ends up happening is essentially what I look at is like, all right, cool. Well, what makes sense to me is we're in these situations where hardware needs an update and this notifications like, Hey honey, you need to be a better husband, need a better wife, be a better dad, um, work on your body. Like, and you're like, ah, I want to do all that. I want to keep eating. And eventually things start crashing. The marriage falls apart. The business sucks. You start losing your job. You know, you you can't stay in shape. You have bad relationships with your friends. They're telling you stuff you don't want to hear. And little by little, now you start noticing, like, I'm just going to open in safe mode. Everybody get away. I'm going to do me. Yeah. And you're not fully functional. It's just now it's like you're operating in half mass. And eventually you say, all right, I'm going to go ahead and just stop this. And I'm going to go and download the information. I'm going to hear the things that I've been trying to avoid. And once I download that, let me upload the actions into my life to actually have things be different. And that process, just like a computer, is long and it's uncomfortable and it's just, it's just hard. But once it's updated... Well, dang it. Now your life just starts spinning. Everything's moving smooth. And then when the new updates come in, you're like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll update that. I'll take a day or an hour. Yeah. I'll have this date with my wife, right? And it keeps the system operating smooth. And so it's not that somebody has a bad identity or anything wrong. It's not. It's just you now should intentionally update that thing. And it doesn't mean you have to be broken to do this, by the way. There are people I work right. with who aren't broken. It's not like they're just, they're like, everything's falling apart. Some people are like, you know what? I've been trying to hit this next tier of income. I'm trying to get this new job. I just can't seem to, I can't break through. I'm stuck right now. I've already had success, but I want the next level. Right. Next level doesn't come at the next book that you read, or it doesn't come at the next course you buy. It comes at the next level of who you are as a human. Like I have clients who have, I've, I bring them on. They want to you know, raise level of like, say an executive wants to climb. And I've had clients I've worked with their bosses and found out like, Hey, this person's got all the right things in place, but there's a level where he, they need to be seen as an executive at a VP level before they can become a VP. 
Nothing yeah. wrong with the person, a solid human being, but it's like, there's a level they need to upgrade their identity to be seen there. It's not right. a book. It's not a new task. It's like, I need to upgrade. And there's different levels of what that is. But when they upgrade the humanity and the identity, now everything starts spinning. And then they have this area where I call like success becomes second nature. You do yeah. the things that successful people do without even thinking about it. It's just like, that's just who I am. How do you do that? How, Meredith, how is it possible? It's just, it's just who I am. What do you mean? And that's what, what I do. we want to get people. Exactly. It's just what I do. No, I love, I love, I love the point you bring up that um, until you're willing to kind of see the truth. I talk about this in my book too, that we have to remove our head from the sand mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's nothing but lies and like lost dreams down in the yeah. sand. Like you have mm-hmm. to get your head out of the sand. You have to kind of see where you are. Yeah. And that is a really painful process that I think a lot of us are trying to avoid. And there's a oh, fly yeah. in here and I keep swatting at it. But um, right. it's it's that whole, we don't want to see the truth, so we avoid it. But like you said, at some point, your Windows 95 system is going to crash and mm-hmm. you've got to deal with the truth. So what is some yeah. of your best advice for someone who's really got what we all perceive when we're looking over at the base of a mountain right and we're looking up we're like oh my gosh this is huge this truth is too much what is your advice for how to how to begin it was a lot of advice so the thing is for me advice is one thing but i like to give processes proven things that i know science shows to be true because a lot of people do give advice and it's just kind of like oh my buddy said this that sounds good let's go ahead and share that information (laughs) so one i'm gonna i'm gonna give you stuff that is simplified but it's complex simplified information right so there's a process, a method I use called the shift method. It's literally the only method in the world that works on identity level to do the work that I do. And essentially the thing for me is like, if somebody's in a place where they are trying to start the process of attaining their most ambitious desire uh, and do it like within the month, right? Let's say I want to start working towards making some progress this month. It's not going to, like I said, not, not a book. It's not a, a new thing. It's like going back and going through a process that allows you to see certain things and unpack them and move forwards. So here's the process called shift method. Three stages. They're, they're deep. But it's three overarching. See, shift, sustain. So if anybody's been in a place where they're like, hey, I needed to, to do something, be better. We'll start working. We'll start doing the shift work, I call it. I'll go and I'll get, get the workout. I'll, I'll buy my food and you know, I'll start doing that. Or I'll start reading that book. Or I'll start you know, typing away at this thing or just absorbing this information. It's the work that, that we assume, 100% assume is going to make this end result come to fruition, this goal I want to reach. But there's a lot of people who end up going through the process and they get to the back end and they're exhausted, but they're still nowhere further ahead. Mm. The statement comes in of like, I thought I'd be farther ahead by now. Why is it I'm not? And what happens is most people skip the first stage I mentioned, which is C. All of us have this programming that's going on, but we're not aware of it. Like It's like the blind spot. It's there, but nobody knows what's going on and nobody shines a light in there because sometimes I don't want to see what's in that, that area. Like that's, right. uh, I don't want to see I don't want to look. I don't want to know. <laughs> right? Like it took me a lot of years to own like, all right, my marriage fell apart because I was non-present husband. It was always her fault. You ruined it. But then I was like, oh wait, I was a bad husband. Like that was me shining the light and it sucked. Now I could have easily tried to be a good husband and tried, but I never would have really known what the right works would have had to been for me to really be a different level guy. And so what we got to do is we got to go see the things that we really don't want to see, but are like the invisible chains holding us back without us knowing. It's, it's like we're running on like running on slick ground with this, this chain. We're just, why am I so tired? I'm not getting anywhere. Well, you haven't looked at the chain behind you. And that could yeah. be the way that your parents taught you to communicate, what they said love was. Um, what you believe the career was, what you thought support looked like for somebody. It's a lot of things that we don't actually see, but we're just operating off an unintentional programming that happened as a person. And, and what happens is 
the first thing is once you've seen that, well, now the next stage can come in because now you know one of two things. Well, actually two things. One is you know what's been holding you back. And two, now you know where you can go because most people don't dream at full speed. They dream mm. slow. I got a dream. I got an idea, but this doesn't get me that heart palpitating excitement that speed gives me, right? And so I got speed bumps. If I don't have time, I don't have money. But when you remove those, oh, I'm off and shooting. Now what work do I do? And then there's this, this statement that if anybody's taking notes, take these notes. But here's the thing. What you create creates you. Yes. A lot of the time in life, people will, uh, they will fight mm -hmm. for what they deserve. We'll always fight for what we deserve. If I, de if I deserve the last cookie, That's a good you better one. believe, right? I'm going to fight for that cookie. The problem is people won't fight for what they don't think they deserve. So if they don't somewhere inherently believe that, well, I don't deserve that job. I don't deserve this relationship. If they deep believe that, they're not going to fight for it. And so what happens is people, they'll think they deserve something based on what they can see that they have earned. If I see I put the work in, oh, you better believe I'm not falling short. Of that. It's my job. I put the work in right. the time. I'm getting that promotion, right? And so what happens is people, they, they don't do the work. And here's what happens. They wonder why later on they don't have that thing. Well, you didn't fight for it. You didn't think you deserved it. But what you create creates you. Think about creation. It's a process. It's long. And it's ugly. Like making a sandwich is, can sometimes be ugly. If you get like my five-year-old kids when they were five-year-olds <laughs> making sandwiches, right? Yeah. But then like creating a great marriage is ugly. Creating a great body, it's a lot of puking and sweating. It's ugly. When you look in the mirror, your hair is all over the place, right? Not mine, right. but yours, I'm assuming, because I don't have hair like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all over the place. And so what happens at this point where you're like, all right, the, the, when I get through making this, creating this over time, yes. there's no way I get to the back end and say like, I'm, this is who I am. Right. I'll fight for that. Right? right, I deserve it. Put that. in the work. It's the whole chicken before the egg. Like you, you're like, how do I get motivated? Is it chicken for the egg? It's both. Like it's chicken and yeah. egg. You got to do both. You got to work. And then it's like chicken sandwich with eggs yeah. on it. Do it. Right? <laughs> you got to get to work. Yeah. But and that's it is how it ugly because like I'm on three a day workouts right now, and Ooh. my husband's like, "Are you going to shower today?" I'm like, "After my third workout, you know, yeah, because it's fine. like I can't shower three times. I've changed clothes twice." But I came in from my run before I got on here and he's like, you really smell. And I yeah. said, well, I'm going to go shower now. And he's like, Phew. but that's part yeah. of it. It's like, if you can live with yourself and stink all yeah. day long for your dream, like it becomes part of your reality. You're like, I'm, I'm you stinking are. for this and this is who I am. So yeah. deal with it. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is, is that there is a, there's a pain to, to thinking about that. Like, oh, I got to work and earn that. It's like the thought of the overwhelming willpower it takes. But then I lead with this kind of thing. Let's say that there has to be a certain level of, like, say there's 10 things that have got to get done. Well, if the 10 things that got to get done are overwhelming to you, it's hard to get through them. So most people, they'd be like, all right, the beginning of the day, I have to, you ever heard of the decision fatigue tank? Like we have this decision <laughs> fatigue. So, right. so think about you get the day started. Let's say there's 10 things got to be done. Well, what happens? I start the day and it's like, all right, I got to decide, do I get the workout? Do I eat the food? Um, do I write those emails? Do I answer those calls? Do I have that hard conversation? Do I, do I, do I? Well, three hours into the day, it's like, man, I, I'm done deciding. I don't want to decide anymore. So, you know, I got maybe four things done. There's still five to nine to go, six to go. I can count, I promise. I got, you know, <laughs> six to go. But then I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. So they do, that person does it tomorrow. Well, here's the other yeah. person. This person comes in because they've been working. Eventually, it doesn't just become this thing I did, but it's like, it's who I am. Like, I would feel bad if I didn't do that. Like, this is part of my identity. You know, like, I, I can't miss out. What would they think of me? I'll look stupid. So it's not a willpower. It's like a drawing of like this. This is who I am to do it. And here's what happens in the back end. Well, when you get to three or four exercises in or movements in or, you know, say four different tasks in, 
it's who I am to catch the workout. I, it's who I am to get the meal. It's who I am to write the emails. I have the hard conversation. This, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to decide. So when I get to number four, where you were deciding, you're done. I got like the full tank damn near left. I'm still, I, I just right. keep going. So now I get to the all 10 things done every day because it's who I am to do these things. Yes. And now at the end of the year, I got double the work you got done. Right. And lo and behold, they're successful without feeling drained. I call it goofy greatness. The people who are the greatest, I played in the NFL, some of the greatest athletes in the world, they're just goofy dudes. Like they were just <laughs> off the cuff and like how so loose, so loose. And you know yes. why? Like I do a three hour workout and I'd be like, man, I'm done. I'm going to go home and chill. It'd be like three hours. I'm going to go play around a golf. I'm going to keep getting down and I'm going to play some, some bad one with the kids. Like it was normalcy. They've been doing it <laughs> yeah. for so long. It's just, no- and so it was like where I was like, oh, I'm taxed. I'm like, oh, it's just the beginning of my day. Let's keep going. And that is something like you said, you have to earn that. And it doesn't happen without you doing it. So you grind, you put the work in a little bit of time and little by little, all of a sudden like, oh, this is who I am now. And then it becomes easy to operate that level. Right. And one of the things I realized just recently, um, I was a corner cutter Mm. and I didn't realize this about myself. I mean, I guess I knew it somewhere deep inside, but my identity Mm. was I get everything done, but deep inside I'm a corner. So, and how this showed up is I was doing burpees. I was doing like three sets of 12 or three sets of nine, you know, and I would just do nine and be like, that's fine. And it wasn't even that big of a deal. But then I thought, where am I cutting corners in my life? And I started looking around and I was like, oh my gosh, I would cut a corner just for the hell of it. Like just because I could. And I realized I just have this sneaky trait that I want to like be all great on the outside, but then I just want to sneak and do this. And I thought, this is why, (laughs) this is why I I don't have my identity was a sneak. And so Mm. when I thought, Oh no, I am not about this life. I am changing that. I'm hitting every burpee. If I write, I'm doing five sets of 15, whatever I'm doing five sets of 15, maybe six sets of 15, you know, and I shifted my identity um, back in April. It's just very, very recent. And, um, but it's changed me. I'm like, I'm the person that does the workout that I write, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'm writing my own workout and then cheating. I, Who I, does I, that? I, just, I get, I totally <laughs> grasp it. I think, and I think it's interesting is those are the things that compound. Like yeah. I told, like I've in my life, I've never cut a, a rep on a workout that I wrote and that, that, that goes with me. So I'm not five years from now, I'm not going to do it because of 10 years from then, you know, before then it's just this compounding. And when you do it enough, it doesn't get hard. It's, it's not the hard. It's just normal. It's just yeah. normal. Right. And then when that's, when it's your new normal, cause we're all talking about getting to a new normal when you get to a new normal, but it's up here. Well, now you start just ripping things out. And now I, I call it like a cheating autopilot. People look at you and go, how do you do How do you do that? How do you not? It's, it's like, right. it's so it's, it's so ingrained in me. I call it pinky finger power. So I, uh, I did American Ninja warrior and I found out that in, in training, like the grip of your hand is like stronger at the pinky level, it's just more muscles on the side of the body or the side of the wrist. And I, was, I didn't realize it, but a lot of us have this insignificant like thing that we do, but we're incredibly strong at it. And it's just like your pinky is insignificant, but so strong overall. And so for a lot of us, we don't realize like we're trying to get stuff to be pinky finger power because what ends up happening is it's just normal for you to do these things. No big deal. Everybody else is like, how do you do it? Like, I don't know. I'm just strong and creepy. Amazing. Uh, you just built <laughs> into it. That's what it is. And so anybody can do it. Here's the thing. We're not special. This is not unique. This is human psychology and neuroscience. The way that we work, we can reprogram our identity. We can shift it. And so for people listening, this is not something that's like far-fetched. This is done. I do it with clients all the time. It's it's really boils down to like a legitimate, when I get done with work, we take it down to this, a planner, 
that we just put things in yes. place and operate tons of planning. Because the problem is people have planners and no idea how to plan. Tons of planners, stacks right? and stacks of planners, colorful tabs, and they're empty. People send me <laughs> planners all the time. Plan. No right. idea to plan. So we we structure out. I literally architect the ideal identity with people, and then we have them understand how to create to create that, how to activate it in life. And that's what changes the game. People make more money. They have more time. They have a better body. It's not anything more than like, I'm trying to get you to not just do those things, but be the person who does those things. Right. And where is the resistance? I mean, I think deep down, we all know the person we want to be. Yeah. Where does the resistance come from? Like in your experience, Mm -hmm. is it really just a series (laughs) of years and habits? Because like, I'll have clients and, you know, say, let's, let's think about the body you want to have one year from now. And they're like, I got nothing. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you want to look like? And they're like, well, I can't achieve it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's different. You You know know what it is? There's uh, one's homeostasis and we can change quick. It just takes pivotal moments sometimes for things to happen. You just turn on like, I'm done with this and I'm going, right? So that's part of it. But the biggest thing I find is that they have, well, they, we all have these aspects in our hearts and our heads of like, man, it's just going to be an overwhelming process. It's too long. I don't see a clear path. And, uh, and realistically, it, it's not, it's not rocket science that changes things. It doesn't take multiple years. It takes you making a decision and putting one foot in front of the other. And so the resistance I typically find is, uh, is the ego becomes a massive resistance for people. It's the, it's the part of me that, that thinks that for me to admit that I have something to improve upon means there's something wrong with me right now. Mm, it's not the, the case. Ego. Mm. Ego's big. I call it EGO. Everyone's the greatest obstacle. It's a, uh, it's, it's a monster. There is a positive ego. It does exist. And it's part of a lot of us, how we get our great things done. Like I'm a great dad and a great husband because part of my ego is you're a great dad and a great husband. I protect that with my actions. So a lot of people, they get to the point of one, they don't have ideas that are big enough and dreams that are big enough. And then two, they, they don't think like this can start changing now in a moment and it progresses in over time and ego gets in the way. Because the thing is, if you don't give yourself permission to like be bad, then you never give yourself permission to improve. Like you yeah. accept. Like part of my process, the C stage is accept, dissect, discover. I have to accept that I'm crappy in some area. And that's okay. Mm. Accept it though, damn it. Like there's something off. Right. Dissect it. Why is it crappy? Like you said, I'm a, I'm a person that cuts corners. Dissect. Why is that part of who I am? Why does it operate there? Why am I thinking that way, right? And we dissect it. And I do this as a process I do with that. And then we discover. Discover one, why I'm here and how to get out of here. And two, where am I going to go? Because now that I've, I've dissected, dissected it, like, oh, okay, cool. Let me discover the next stages to get past all that and to go somewhere cool. But most people don't do the sex stage or the accept stage or any of that. They just get to the point of like, I'm just going to work and do some things. But like you said, they can't see. That's like they're on one side of a rushing river. I look at that other side of the bank. I'm like, I want to get to that bank river. And I, I don't want to cross it. I can't. Ah, I'm just not going to do it. It's just impossible. I'm sit over here and stay chubby and maybe get eaten by a bear. And then I walk up <laughs> and I go like, hey, let me turn your shoulder. See that bridge over there? Go cross the bridge. Oh, that's how I get there. When you can create the right. bridge for people, now they'll move. But most people either don't trust the bridge because everybody else has told them there's a bridge and they fell in the water. Um, or someone hasn't walked the path. So the bridge ends up being like this super longer path because the person didn't know how to really cross the bridge. So you got to right. find somebody you trust and who really knows how to cross the bridge for you. Yeah. So let's shift this into a discussion on race and how, how to take your method like the acceptance okay i accept that i have some racial bias and i have some work i need to do that is a part that a lot of people do not want to accept but no they don't i have seen a lot of people who have lately accepted that and there's good growth and then i've seen people that just stick their head back in the sand so 
Yeah. On where does desire, you know, come with acceptance, the desire to change? And the, yeah. Well, it's, go I, ahead. Go ahead. I think I think part of it has to do with uh, the groups you're in because we're humans based on acceptance. And so for me, the way I look at it is if my social group doesn't adjust or I don't choose to change it, then I'll go towards whatever allows me to be accepted by humanity. So some people around a group of people that are like, all right, they're all accepting. I'm going to stay in this corner here. But if you threw somebody, and I'll just use a real example. If I had a group of black guys and a group of white guys, one of the white guys over there was super racist, but he didn't have to stay with us. Like he just stayed with people. He'd be protected in his group. He wouldn't have to change or adjust his views. But if I dropped him in, I don't know, the middle of Africa, like you got to be here for a year. Think he's still spewing that crazy? Hell no. <laughs> he's just not going right. to do it. He may, he may, but he'll spew it with no tongue eventually. And he'll you right. know, get buried. So the thing is like, we got to, if, if we notice there's something off, we got to be proactive and adjust our, our groups. Because at the end of the day, whatever you will, let's say you're an average of five people around you. I think you're the average of the expectations of the five people around you. And oh, so that's good. Whatever they expect of you, then no, that lo and behold, that's my, that's my tippity top. Now it's hard to put that into racial aspects overall. Cause there's no broad stroke, but I get, there's a lot of things like I have a really good group of friends. I grew up in a predominantly all white area. And I've had some really deep conversations with all of them. And there's some perspectives of like, you know, there's just, you know, this doesn't exist. You know, there's no, there's no, you know, systemic racism, legislature change that that doesn't exist. And no, no sympathy for a minority. It's a cultural thing. They got to fix their culture. Obviously talking to the one black guy, that's their friend sometimes. Right. And, and, and I, so I, I grasp and I start seeing what's going on. And I realize that some they say could be misconstrued as being racist humans. And I, I really get to the root of it. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, it's not that they're racist because they're not genuinely not. I've never in my life, I've known some since fourth grade, never in my life have I even heard anything remotely close to being racist. However, the outside world would view it as that because they're protecting themselves. Yes. And what they're doing is it's like the view is, well, if I accept this thing is whatever, and I'm on this side, then I have to accept that I'm wrong. And I did something wrong, but I didn't do anything wrong. It's not, it's not what happened. So no, I, I, I'm not going to accept that side. And there's this, this um, complete battle against the perspective of who I am and what I do. And, and so it's really they're protecting their identity of not wanting to feel bad about the things that are going on. So they have to position themselves in opposition of it. So it's like this thought that, you know, it, it's this battle against racism, but they think it's a battle against them. So it's right. not. And so they're fighting, they're fighting a position of me opposite of this. But these people are seeing it as them protecting racism, which they're not. So I get this dynamic. Uh, it's really difficult because on both sides, there's a lot of weirdness. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just absorbing that for a minute. So the identity of, you know, if someone does, like your friends, for example, they mm -hmm. have to have a, a sort of identity shift yeah. to really come to grips with the systemic racism and being your friend. Be. And mm -hmm. like, it's like, okay, and so what does that look like? Is it, I want to educate myself more. I want to understand more. So how, when someone feels like kind of scared, but mm -hmm. they know they need to make an identity shift, like for example, as a white person, yeah. you know, you need to open your eyes and you need to wake up, but you're scared because you think there's a pie and you're going to lose your piece of it, but everyone gets their own pie. Um, but yeah, how can you, how can you start to shift when you really want to, even though you're scared? Yeah. But not an easy thing, like you said. It's a it's an incredibly difficult thing because what has to happen is the ego has to be shredded a little bit, and and it sucks because nobody wants to have a chink mm -hmm. in their armor because then 
they don't but it's funny because these same people they'll be in you know it's called political groups and they'll be like just accepting whatever the political hierarchy says they have to accept so because i'm a democrat i have to accept this because the democrats accept this if i'm a republican i have to accept this because republicans accept this and they don't realize like you're just you're just in getting indoctrinated and programmed based on whatever you've already accepted as part of your identity and so to start this process would be to go back to the very beginning thing i said you need to check out the updates the world's pouring a lot of updates right now like hey hey guys this exists hey hey it's no 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 it doesn't we're snoozing it it's like hey man like uh, it's something yeah. that adjusts and change so what happens is it's going to have to be this perspective of all right let me see let me accept that for a possible re- you know, moment in time that something is off what if i was to dissect that why, why would that be and it leads you down a path of just accepting that something might be off. doesn't mean that you have to accept there's something wrong with you, but accept the situation. Because when you can see something, well, now I can start working on the puzzle. If it's a dark room and I pick up a Rubik's Cube, I can't see the Rubik's Cube. I can spin it all day long and never solve it. But if I can see it, I can, oh, okay, so let me play with this a little bit. And they may find some different pathway towards what it is. But the thing is, you're going to have to, in the beginning, deal with the pain of of accepting that there's something that probably was going on that, that you didn't aid. Because here's the thing, we're talking about the race aspect. White America didn't do this on purpose. Not the current white America, majority, right? Like I grew up in an all-white family. I've been poor. I watched all this. It's not like anybody was like, yeah, condemn all black people. But there is this systemic thing that took place years and years before that, that just it's been this realm. And so I think white America was born into, it's like a fish being born in a water. You don't realize you're in water. It's just what you have. And so right. now there's this... We don't see it. Of we don't like, see it. Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah. What did I? What did I do? And to accept that there's something wrong would mean that I have to. Yeah, like you said, part of my pie is gone. And did I? Did I do something wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. No, you guys are all crazy. I didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, no, no, no. You didn't do anything wrong. Your ancestors did. Society did. Or society let it all ride. But there is a responsibility. Mark uh, Mark Manson, I think it is, has a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Right. Yeah. And what it talks about, it's like. In life, if something happens, it may not be your fault, but if it needs to be fixed, it's your responsibility to fix it. If my kids go outside, and this happens, my kids go outside and break things because they're children and they break things. <laughs> wasn't my fault, but it's dad's responsibility to fix it, right? And so I don't get mad. I don't, I don't feel bad as a human because something broke. I just like, hey, it's my responsibility to fix it. I don't want to fix it. I'm not a fan of fixing fences because you guys threw <laughs> basketballs through them. But it's my responsibility. And so in life, when we get to that point of realization of when you have a strong enough identity, because here's a big thing, and this may be a good one to anchor towards, what happens is people all assume that like there's a tree with fruit and this fruit's the career they have, position they have, where they're at. And if that fruit comes off the tree, that the fruit withers and dies, they wither and die. And it's a filial when I lose a part of my identity. And it happened to me when I lost football, my marriage and everything. It's why I went dark. But the truth was, I was never the fruit. I was always the tree. And the tree produces the fruit, mm. produces the career, the relationship, the body. And so for a lot of people, they feel like the position they have, they're the fruit. If the fruit comes off the tree, I'm nothing. I've lost it all. It's not the case. Just go back and be the tree and produce different or better uh, fruit. I love that. Be the tree. Be the tree, be damn the it. the tree. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, so my podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, which means that we all have the same 24 hours our day but it's what we do with it that makes a difference between our health and happiness and success. So Mm -hmm. what is something that you do on a daily basis that you think really anchors you contributes to your health, happiness and success. And and you can just point to, to be like, that's part of my identity. That's who I am. But this is a a thing that I really do. And it's important to me. Um, 
I legit every night at dinner time we sit down as a family and we have this conversation of good day, bad day, or good part, bad part of the day. It depends on who said it, but the same thing. And it sounds odd, but here's the thing. For me, like that's shutdown time. The phone's off the table, there's nothing going on, and we get to sit down and discuss the good parts and bad parts of the day. And as much as a simple thing, it's like a good anchoring for me. I grew up in a world where I didn't have that. Like our dinner table was always covered with stuff we never ate as a family. I, I can't I can't even imagine one hand memories of us sitting down outside of a restaurant at home, a table talking. So it's, it's a gimmick for me in doing this. We've been doing it for years, but I still, I'll be at the table and it feels odd. I want to like, I'd have us pull to get up. Cause it's, yeah. ugh, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it, but then I love it because it also lets me know like, this is why I do the work I do. So I can be home. I can have the meal. I can cook the meal. I can prepare these things. And so it's like the things I do on a consistent basis, most people would assume is like he hustles, he drives. Yeah, I do. But I do all that so that I can have this time and be centered and be focused, have more good stories come out of my kids' mouths than bad stories, um, have a better relationship with my, my family and my wife. Like I have all these things because of what I do here in our time. I create, I coach, I do. But when laptop closes, the laptop closes and I go in the house and I get to spend yeah. time. I get to have dinner and have a meal and it all cycles because here's what's difficult for a lot of people. They wonder why everything it just seems like, man, I'm getting an argument with my wife and then I can't get work done at work. And then there's... Well, because you go to work and you get distracted, you don't focus. So then you go home and then you're still thinking about work while at home. And then you get into a fight, you get into a fight and you go back to work and feel guilty. So you get distracted, you don't get any work done. And you go back to home and you don't have anything. It's a vicious cycle. And so for me, it's like, I focus on like, there is a chicken and egg conversation, but I think part of it is you can start on both <laughs> sides. If I'm at home and I want to be here, don't think about work. Just, just be with the yeah. family. And if I just be with where the you family, are. I'm going to be more at peace. If I go back to the work, I have more peace. I have more focus. I can not get distracted and I can start the process. Or if I'm at work and I'm distracted, I know my wife's fighting. Well, what does she want? Time. Just so be, be at work and get stuff done today. Get your, your egg timer out. Set it. Like get everything organized. Like I use this thing all the time. Get, get organized to where what happens, you're done. And then you go home and then you're present with your wife and the process starts. There's a lot of different ways to have everything kind of move smooth, but you've got to start thinking about like, what are you doing that, that are the things that, that have both sides or all sides organized and smoothly flow. And that's part of my identity, my family, man. Like that's my core. It's my root. Uh, I'm, I'm giddy and I'm happy and I'm playful. And I'm also mean dad when I gotta be like clear your stinking room. Right. But I'm dad. <laughs> and, and, and like, I'm even starting like the parts of my brands where I'm telling people like, I'm going to be the fit guy, but like I'm fit dad, not like fit 25 year old in a yacht doing backflips. Like that's not my, my jam, you know, but like, that's my core. And so because of that, I go to the backside and say, what are all the things I've got to work for that to be a viable, um, you know, desirable identity that I can have people say, that's the guy for that. Because for me, yeah. it's about full potential and balance of life. Awesome. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for your time. Tell everyone where the best place to follow you is. Is it here on Instagram? Is it somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, don't follow me okay. home. It'd be weird. I'll call the cops. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no stalkers. No, no stalkers. Instagram, no stalkers. yeah, and Anthony Trucks, uh, or go to anthonytrucks.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was great. Very welcome. Enjoyed, enjoyed hanging out with you, Chad. It's cool. I like you. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks to the sponsor, Active Detergent, of this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Don't forget to check them out at activedetergent.com. Use the code SWIMBIKEMOM for 20% off and free shipping to try it out. We really don't have to work out and start to smell our stinky clothes. They're are solutions and it's a very simple one so check them out activedetergent.com code swimbikemom save that money and save your nose 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.